Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have Victor on. Victor is a very accomplished real estate agent and real estate investor. We're super excited to have him on the show today. Victor! Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Definitely. Can you introduce yourself and tell us how you got started into real estate? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess not that interesting of a story. I think more so um, I got in the business around seven, eight years ago. Okay. It was straight out of college. Mm-hmm. The uh, How I got into it is a uh, always kind of a funny story to tell. I was uh, never really a, a school kid. Mm-hmm. And um, like my senior year in college, I uh, kind of panicked. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was paying my way through school. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just, it was just one of those things for me. It was like, you know, it's like, well, do I want to go to grad school? I don't really like undergrad. So why would I go spend a bunch of money for grad? Mm-hmm. And then eventually what happened was uh, I had my finance degree that I was going to graduate with and I Googled uh, top 10 paid careers with undergrad in finance. Uh And the first thing that came up was uh, commercial real estate. Nice. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's see what this is. And I mean, that was it. I Googled it and I said, oh, this is something I can do. Mm -hmm. I don't really go that much more schooling for. And then I actually ended up calling all the brokerages uh, the top four in the commercial side called them all. No one called me back. Oh no. I called them straight for like four months as an intern, trying to get an intern job. I was mm-hmm. like 20, I don't know, maybe 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Marcus and Millichap had like a career day mm-hmm. at my school and the guy was there that I was calling. So I went up to him with my resume and I was like, Hey man, I've been leaving you a bunch of voicemails. I'd love to work for free or just intern or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, cool. Just get a hold of me. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Even after that dialogue, it took me four months for him to actually meet me and hire me. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was kind of a struggle in that, in that aspect. But, you know, for me, it was just like, yeah, I wanted to do it anyways, just mm-hmm. because I saw the possibility of what you can do in the business because of it. And yeah, I jumped in and, I kind of never looked back. That's know? awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah I mean, I like, there's, a lot, there's a lot of good takeaways that you just said, you know, similar to yourself. I did also Google top 10 paying jobs yeah. that are more school. And when I did that, I did it during my second year of college. So I ended up, ended up being a software engineer because I'm like, hmm, pretty good salary, you know, yeah. good job market. No, I don't need four more years of school. Like, this is awesome. So very similar mindset of you and I. So when you said that story, I was like, oh, wow, I did that. I totally did that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, other good takeaways you said is like persistence is key, man. Like keep on following up. Don't give up. Reach out to people that, you know, that kind of seem pretty up there, you know, like you never know what's going to happen. All you have to do is ask, you know? Yep. And um, Another good takeaway is that you you really put yourself out there. You knew that you wanted to go for this position and you didn't let anything stop you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I know this guy. He hasn't talked to me in four months. Let's 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 keep following up until something happens, you know? Yep. That's that's, yep. that's a huge trait of someone really successful. 
you know, it's follow up, be persistent, put yourself out there because you just never know. Yeah, that's true. That's all it is. Definitely. You, want it, you can go for it. That's pretty much all it is. Awesome. So what kind of challenges did you first face when you entered into your industry and what challenges do you face now and how do you overcome them? Uh, you know, when I first got in, I was so blindsided by like, it didn't matter. Like it had to work. Mm -hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really feel like there was that many challenges besides the fact that I just had to stay in the game. Cause you know, in the commercial world, it's much different. It's all cold calling and really just working on the script. Mm -hmm. And I was in, I mean, I was coming in at seven 30 in the morning and leaving around seven 30 at night. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was full work days. I'd take half hour lunches and I was on the phone every day calling mm -hmm. owners that have never heard of me, <laughs> who I am, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, the challenges really, I guess I would say is at that time it was just more myself, not like kind of giving in mm -hmm. before I took the role as a junior broker. Um, I told myself, I'm going to give it a year, no matter how hard it is. I got like, whatever, like 50, I think it was like 15 grand in the bank that mm -hmm. I have saved. I'm going to still work on the weekend serving mm -hmm. I can. And then I got like 10,000, $12,000 credit line on mm -hmm. my credit card. So if I use all my money and I max out my credit card and it still doesn't work by the end of the year, then I'll revisit it. But until then I, it was like just to myself, you know, and then kid you not 11 months in my first deal finding closed. Nice. You know, but the challenge was, it was just kind of me getting out of my own way. Mm -hmm. Right. I, you know, call, cold calling is not easy. It isn't. You're right. It's but scary. It's scary. It's, it's yeah. not easy. It's scary, but it works. Yeah, it does work. I mean, that's, that's the magical calling, right? Yep. It's like, I think the first couple, like first five to 10 is going to be quite scary. But after you make it a routine and you kind of, it kind of goes in a wave. Under five, ten months. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's, yeah. I mean, as long as you built up the the tolerance and yeah. to kind of predict what the person's gonna say to you. Yeah, I'm just. Because the worst thing they say is like, "Who are you? And why are you calling me?" You know. But yeah. it's crazy. It's a huge numbers game. You start yeah. to realize that doing business, and especially in real estate, is like it's how many people you can talk to until you get that first yes. Yeah, that's all it is. As soon as you get your first yes, you don't. Yeah remember how many rejections you had <laughs> oh, this feeling feels so good you, <laughs> you, only need, you only need one to make your whole quarter exactly theory so. yeah yeah i mean what kind of what kind of cold call what's the funniest conversation you had when you're cold calling someone oh man um this was like four three four almost three four years ago okay uh <laughs> This guy literally was so pissed because I had a team at that time. So I've called him probably about 15, 20 times, uh -huh. three junior associates at the time that were calling him. And he was, I forgot what his background is, but he had a heavy accent <laughs> and he would literally tell me to go myself and go, go, he would tell me, go off the roof of my, go to the top of the roof wow. and jump off. Wow. 
It's terrible. It was hilarious. But at the time, it was me and, you know, my junior. So we found it so entertaining. Yeah. Because he kept yelling and yelling. We're just like, oh, man, we can't let this go. So we just kept calling him back. <laughs> wanting to close him over and over. <laughs> we got to a point where it's like, why is everybody calling me today? And we're just like, oh, I don't know. I'm the first time me calling you. <laughs> like other junior associate would call. And then my other associate would call. And then he was just like, you know what? Like, I'm never going to sell. Like, don't even bother to call me, like, ever. And I was like, whatever. But that that was just that. Like, we made such light of the situation. Yeah. But that was probably the most. And I'll never forget him. You know, like, it's yeah. the most far-fetched. And he was so angry. Yeah. I don't understand. It's just a simple conversation. Like, especially because yeah. you're doing business, too. Why do you have to act that certain way? You know? I know. And then he, and then he goes, uh, what do I have to do? to get my number off this list. And I was like, sell it. And then nobody will ever call you. And that's what like really, out of everything, that's what really put fuel on the fire. Yeah. So mad when I said that. <laughs> yeah, I have a similar story too. I used to cold call a lot of people as you know, as a real estate flipper investor. Yeah. This guy picks up the phone. He's like, he's like, hey, you sound really young on the other side. How many years of the industry? I'm like, I don't know, like two. He's like, yeah. don't even talk to me. I've been working for 50 years. I was like, oh wow, come on. <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, there's some positive stories too. I used to door knock as well. Yeah. And um, I remember distinctly, like this this guy opened a door and he shakes my hand. He's like, what do you what are you trying to do? I'm like, oh, I'm just asking if you're interested in selling your house. Yeah. And he turns to me, pats me, in, pats me in the back. And he says, we don't see much of you go getters anymore. I really like what you're doing. Here's here's my number. Here's my card. And when I'm ready to sell, I reach out to you. Yep. It's just you're right. It's all you versus you. It's all mental, to be honest. Yeah. It's you get out of your own way. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome, dude. So let's jump into your first deal. Like, what was your first deal like? Um, you mind sharing some percentages, some numbers to us, so you can fully understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, what was it like, and what was the biggest takeaway? Uh, first deal that closed or first deal that I got signed? Let's do both. Let's do okay. uh, first deal that closed. And <laughs> so first deal that closed, um, his name's, I, I can't make this up. His name's Dick Ho, <laughs> right? Chinese guy, you know, kind of did the whole whatever you want to call the came from, you know, came from China, opened up a bakery. And I was calling this guy probably for about four months. He goes, ah, I'm not selling, I'm not selling. But he was nice. So he would have conversations with me. And then he was like, hey, you know, how's everything, how's business, whatever. He goes, Victor, okay, what do you really want? And I was like, well, I mean, I do have somebody that wants to buy this. And he goes, I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna come over here, you're gonna say you have a buyer, and I'm not gonna give you the listing. And I was like, no, 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 I really have a buyer. <laughs> it's like, I know you're not gonna let me list it, I've asked you about 20 times. I know you're going to let me list it. So I do have a buyer. And he goes, uh, okay, fine. So mm -hmm. I go over, drive over, and he's at a bakery. And he's like this old Chinese guy. And he's like the nicest guy. Mm -hmm. He's like, here's a rent roll. Here are the financials. And I was like, how much do you want? He goes, well, how much do you think it's worth? And I was like, uh, I mean what it's worth or what you want to sell it for. And he goes, no, what it's worth. And I was like, really? 750. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was like, mm, I don't know if I sell for 750, maybe 775. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I brought a listing agreement anyways. Mm-hmm. So I was like, look, I was like, I was like, how about this? Uh, if I don't bring you a buyer with an offer by 48 hours, you can cancel this listing. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you will sell at 775. And I was like, I've called you for four months, at least twice a week. Like <laughs> I'm going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I don't bring you a buyer and a legitimate offer that's competitive in the next 48 hours, you can cancel the listing. Like I have a buyer. And he goes, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I bring him the offer two days later mm-hmm. at 750. Cause my buyer actually wanted to buy for 800. Oh, wow. So I bring it to him at 750 and he goes, let's counter. And he goes, how much? Let's counter 800. He goes, you didn't get him up to 800. I was like, I think I can. Mm-hmm. Right? So I get the agreement drafted up and I, I didn't even put this on the market yet. Mm-hmm. Drafted up and he goes, all right. So I was like, Hey, uh, Dick, I'm going to put it 790. Okay. I think the 800 might scare them. But if I get you 790, that's still 40,000 more than I first thought it was worth. I told you mm-hmm. and still more money than you want it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. <laughs> At this point, the buyer was already ready to pay 790. Mm-hmm. My client owned the building for four buildings over, mm-hmm. sent it over, came in, closed. And the most challenging thing was once you got into escrow and the money went in, he was like, oh, I don't want to sell anymore. What? <laughs> Oh my God, this is not <laughs> happening. Because at this point, they, they can't cancel because the buyer was, money's in, you know, the lawsuit was about to happen. And I, was, I went back to his bakery and I was like, all right, Dick, if you don't sign this, right, it's, you're going to get sued. So mm-hmm. up to you. And he was like, all right, all right. So, so if I sell this, what do I have to buy? So that kind of ended up being the first transaction. And because of that one sale, the reason why this was so uh, meaningful to me is because I ended up selling four other deals within like a two mile radius. <laughs> I got that in test I called every single owner and was like, I just sold this off market at this much. I have two other guys I want to buy here. Would you look at an offer? Mm-hmm. And they were just like, uh, no, maybe how much did you sell it for? And I was like, I'll give you all the info. Let me come meet you. And then I met him, got another listing, use that as another listing. So that's how I broke into the Torrance market. That was the first, like, you know, and before wow. I, I knew nothing about Torrance besides I had a database that I built there. Mm-hmm. So that was the first sale. That's awesome, man. That's a good story. I mean, from one deal, it led to multiple deals and it lets you understanding the market, you know? Yep. And it's just, it's just, the biggest takeaway I can think about this is like you took action, yep. you know, uh, you put yourself in the situation where you're, you're cold calling a lot of people to make it happen. And as you're doing that, it's like you're learning as you do. Yeah. You're not stuck in this analysis paralysis kind of problem where you're like, Oh no, what should I do? You're like, all right. Yeah. Five minutes left. Go, 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 go. Like dial, dial, dial. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. That's, that's a great story, dude. Um, let's, let's talk about one of the, one of your deals that didn't go so well, you know, like what was the worst story you had where you're like, man, oh, well, I'm just going to learn from it. Take, you know, just move on and lesson learned. Um, honestly, there's so many of those in, especially in the commercial world. Cause like, yeah, I mean like it was 20, so in 2018 I had 32, 
I had like $55 million fall out of escrow. What the heck? That's crazy. Yeah. So again, but it's the nature of the business, right? It it wasn't as uh, impactful or meaningful to me because at that, you know, a couple of years ago, that was very well known that it's, it is what it is, right? Yeah. The most painful one, the reason why it was so painful is the first listing I got Mm -hmm. in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Seven units. I've been calling this guy, I don't know, for like six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, passing is a very low velocity market. Not many people sell because it always appreciates. Agreed. So I got a hold of the guy and calls me back. So we're playing phone tag. And then I call him again to leave a voicemail. Picks up in the middle of my voicemail. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Victor, what do you want? And I was like looking through my, my notes. And I'm like, wait, I never talked to this guy. We've been playing phone tag. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what do you want? And I was like, well, and like, this is every script training, every whatever that I did with my senior or my, my regional manager is like, don't talk about pricing. Don't talk about, um, fee. Don't talk about whatever, get the meeting. I did everything wrong. He's like, what do you want? <laughs> like, uh, will you sell your building? Cause I was so nervous. Yeah. And he goes, how much? And I was like, shit. I don't know how much, but in my head, I was like, I had an idea. And I was like, well, it depends on how many bedrooms. He goes, they're all one bedroom. So I'm like, oh man. It's like, I didn't know. So I was like, I quickly, as he was doing it, I was running the comps as we were talking. And I was like, I can get you like one, three, five, you know? And he's like, you can really get me one, three, five. And I was like, yeah, of course. And he goes, okay. um, Why don't you come meet me tomorrow at my house? And I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> all right i was like i'll see you tomorrow right hung up forgot uh what time to meet him because i was so excited <laughs> what time to meet him right and where his home address was <laughs> and this was the first listing appointment i ever set so i hang up and my but my junior next my buddy who's a junior next to me is like where are you meeting him i'm like at his house he goes do you know where he lives and i was like oh my god i don't know where this fool lives <laughs> so I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I'll call in the morning and I'll figure it out. So I called him like eight o'clock in the morning. I was like, Hey George, it's Victor. And he's like, Hey, you still coming? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what time do you want me to come? You know? And he's like, Oh, come at like 12. I was like, okay. And I was like, we're meeting at your home. Right. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, um, which home? Like, are you the one in Pasadena? I just assumed he lived in Pasadena. Right. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah. And then he was, you know, he, didn't realize what I was doing. He's like, Oh, my address is one, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever main street. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. You want me to bring you coffee? And he goes, yeah, actually, that'd be nice. <laughs> like, coffee? So I brought him coffee. I showed up. Everything was great. I spent like two hours with him at his house. Mm-hmm. He actually told me he had another building he wanted to sell. So the inventory that I picked up was three, like three and a half million total listings. And that was my first listing I ever signed. And it was by myself. So it was like, I was like on a high. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Everything goes on. I put on the market. I already had six buyers that wanted me to submit an offer through me. Like they actually wanted me to write the offer so I can get the deal. Cause they knew that this was a good deal. Mm-hmm. Write up all the offers all ready to go. I already had 5% commission, which at 5% at three and a half million dollars. I mean, do the math. Like I was, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make a six figure check three months into starting by myself. Mm-hmm. He's, he was always responsive on the phone. All of a sudden 
he stops picking up the phone. For almost a week, he doesn't pick up the phone. So I'm like, what's going on? Finds out he fell off a stepladder while he was cleaning one of the properties. Oh, no. He's 80 years old and he broke his back. Oh, no. And that was it. He broke his back and he was in a, like that home where they, the convalescent homes or whatever, like where they treat elderly. Yeah. I had to go visit him and he's like, like he's, he can't walk again ever. And oh. I'm just like, oh my God. And I was like, are you okay, George? He goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what happened? He told me the whole story. I was like, George, I told you to stop working on your property. I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, my daughter's going to be here soon. He's like, but you know, I can't sell the property anymore because my daughter's going to manage it and she doesn't know how to do an exchange. And I was like, oh, in my head, I felt bad. I felt so bad for the situation. So I didn't care about the time that the deal was about to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. But that was the hardest, that was the hardest thing for me mm -hmm. because it was the first deal, two listings. And, and that commission was like 160,000, mm -hmm. a little more. So I was like, I'm ready to go. This is going to launch my career. And he canceled it. Didn't get paid. Buyers are pissed. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was my first deal three months into brokerage. That was still the most devastating experience. But now looking back, it's like, had that not happened, mm -hmm. I would have thought the business was easy. Mm -hmm. I actually probably wouldn't be around anymore because I probably would have burnt out, mm -hmm. you know, because every other deal was going to be so much harder because that first check, if it's that easy, mm -hmm. I'm just going to assume the business is easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. it actually ended up, you know, in hindsight, actually ended up being better, but yeah. it's kind of hard to stomach that for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that where you are now and you're looking back, you're connecting, you're connecting the dots, right? And you're like, you're kind of glad certain things happen to kind of shape who you are. Yep. Yeah. Cause something at that point, it's hard to predict how you're going to be a couple of years ahead. Yeah. But when you're looking back, you're like, Oh, like you kind of appreciate everything that went wrong. Yep. Now you're like, okay, you're more humble. You know, you're more knowledgeable. You're going to harder. It's crazy how life works. You know, it's just the universe helping you out to do something bigger. Yeah. yeah. That knocked me down pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you're still in the business, you know, eight, nine years now and you're still killing it. So honestly, I, I would take it as your grain of salt. You know, you're doing so well. It was good. It was a good lesson. Awesome, man. So the next section of the podcast is focused more towards you. Okay. Uh, what are your goals for the next for the rest of 2020 and five years from now? Uh, so I recently took over as a managing partner. Um, Congratulations. At Pasadena. Yeah, thank you. Thank nice. you. So, yeah, so I, I got into now more of the ownership role, the brokerage. I run the brokerage. Um, I launched my software company mm. in February, which actually should be done. I mean, we had a very good first year. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, hold on. Let me close these blinds because there's a big player. Okay. So, you know, it was just one of those things like, you know, it was a big, big year of learning because I took on a lot of different roles and positions. And, you know, it was just kind of like, I, I've done so much of the sales portion of it and I wanted to really like figure out like, how can I grow and have this business something else? Mm -hmm. Right. And that was kind of where it was. It was a difficult thing because I got burnt out and I really wanted to figure out like what's next. Like, am I staying in the business as a broker or what, what am I really going to be doing? Mm -hmm. Right. And that was kind of like where I came to a point where I was like, I don't like doing things inside the box. So this year my plan was 
to really push back into my basics, like the foundation of business. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just going back to doing the team where I'm cold calling and I'm building the pipeline mm-hmm. because that's the hardest part, right? In this business is staying focused and doing the work that you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That was always been, you know, the challenge for most because now on the management side, mm-hmm. and I see agents that have been doing for 10, 15, 20 years. The only difference why people are successful is because they do the basics. Agreed. Yeah. You got to put in the work. And it's hard to do the basics when, you know, you have big checks coming in here and there, and then you get sidetracked and you start doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where, you know, it's a demise, you know, that's where you get in your own way again. Yeah. For 2020, it was just really just re kind of reassessing what I did in the last eight years. Mm -hmm. 31 Mm -hmm. this decade will be the decade of my Mm thirties and, you know, just really focusing on launching my tech company Mm -hmm. using that as an integration platform to help agents be successful individually Mm -hmm. where they don't feel like they're guessing this business anymore because it's tough. You know, my, you know, I little backstory, I guess, I grew up with a single mom and my mom got into the real estate business um, because she was never in the workforce. And this was the only way she could really make a living without have ever having done anything previously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that hits home for me. So a lot of the agents in this business happen to be single parents. Mm-hmm. So that is something that hits home to me. And, you know, this year I wanted to do more of a, uh, um, life approach to business opposed to just strictly money. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came into the business with all the wrong intentions mm-hmm. right? and it was really just to make a bunch of money, build this empire, pat myself on the back and whatever. And then after, you know, five, six years of doing it and then seven years, I was eight and I was like, Oh, this just isn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can, I don't need all this. And it's just like, what's really important. Like it, it's just really focusing on, why people get into the business, mm-hmm. why people leave, and what's important for people enough to stay when it gets hard. Yeah. So that's 2020 is really a focus on just kind of building a strong community around me, mm-hmm. right? That I, that I that makes me enjoy what I'm doing. I agree, man. And that, that definitely hits home with me, what you just said. Um, so about two years ago, I left my job because I was doing real estate flipping full time. Yeah. And to be honest, like that year having so much free time and, you know, resources coming in that honestly, it, it really hurt my mental health because I didn't know what I was doing in my life. Yeah, I know. You know, it's kind of weird because after you reach a certain level of success, it's like, what can you do more to impact other people? Yeah. And you find stuff that you did before that, like you said before, for the wrong reasons. I also, I mean, and this is like a young person thing, you know? Yeah, it's a learning line. So you want to go in and you make make a lot of money. And once you hit that level of success, it's like, you know, what's next? Yep. You know, what you learn you get all these thoughts about what is what is fulfillment. Yeah. You know, what drives you, what makes you happy. Yep. You know? And I'm not I'm not gonna say it's it was a bad thing. It's it's a really blessed situation to be in. Yeah. You know, but it makes you really refocus on your life. It makes you look bigger too. Yep. And you look at stuff like, wow, like we're we're both in our thirties. You know, we're like, man, we'll be grinding it out for about 20, 30, 40 more years. 
Yeah. You know, like what else can we do to impact the world and make it a better place? Yeah. For yourself, you started a tech company. And for myself, I had a similar uh, ambitions. You want to build a strong community. Yeah. Let's everyone, you know? Yeah. Because after you reach a certain level of success, you realize that a lot of people want to strive there. But as you're talking to more of them, you realize a lot of them are very self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. Very uh, scarcity mindset. And you kind of make it a mission, or at least I made a mission to like kind of help people adopt the abundance mindset that, hey, there is so much resource out there that everyone can succeed. Yep. Once you succeed, you need to start giving back to you, the people around you and your community, you know? Yeah, sure. Those are just my thoughts, man. So we're super aligned with that. I love it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. It's, I want to enjoy this decade. That's yeah. All. I agree, man. 30 is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel very, you know. <laughs> hey, what is your biggest source of motivation? Uh, what do you do the the things you do? What is your biggest why? You know, it, it's it's changed so much. I mean, really, I still deep down, I think my biggest why, I think from the beginning, and when you know I had nothing, and. I had something and, you know, it's just kind of when it, that motivation, I think never changed my why. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really just to kind of make my mom proud. Yeah. Because, you know, from an early age, seeing her go through so much, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wanted her to be like, okay, even though everything's going to shit, mm-hmm. like I'm proud of him because he's doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what always is, was there and it never changed. I think that's why even when I strayed far away from the path, that I should be on that I always want to be on and I know to be on that I never strayed too far because it was always right there and it brought me back, you know, and that's, I think that that's, I think still my biggest why I don't think much has changed, you know, very close with very, very close with her. Um, And before it was my grandpa. So Mm -hmm. that was like, and when he passed, like, I think that's kind of when I lost my why, because I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this to make him proud. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he died, you know, pretty young. Mm, sorry. So that's yeah. I mean, I think it just, it was, it was hard for what it is. And then that why kind of got lost because he was essentially my father figure and mm-hmm. I wanted to make him proud. Right. And so that was when it changed. I think there was a few years and a gap where I kind of didn't understand why I was doing things anymore. And then I had to kind of refocus myself, mm-hmm. you know, and twenties is a, 20s is a really rough time if you're actually really trying to figure yourself out. Absolutely agree with that one. Yeah. <laughs> not, you know, in nowadays time, 20, you're not really an adult, mm-hmm. right? Because most everyone kind of does everything differently now, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not forced into go to war or anything. We're just got to figure out what we want to do. So it was very difficult for me to like refocus on what my why was because it was originally my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And making him proud because he was still the patriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. And after that happened is when I got even closer with my mom. Actually, we fell apart in terms of closeness for a little while. And then we got really close. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was like, oh, this was really my why. Mm-hmm. Right. And it took some time. But again, it was like growing pains. It was like three, four years of, you know, like, I'm so busy because I'm so busy making deals. <laughs> and then I was just kind of like, wait a minute, like I'm hanging out with the people I don't like hanging out with, <laughs> you know? 
Like I'm trying to impress people I don't even know or care for. It's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and that's That's the year when I got burnt out from the business. Yeah. So awesome, man. That's a, that's a really strong why, you know. And yeah. family is always a, has a great source source of motivation. Yeah. Uh, similar to you, my parents are my biggest source of why as well. Yeah. It's like no matter what I do in life, still still to today, they're never proud. <laughs> it's just an Asian thing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> mom, I I created a company. I did this and that. And they're like, cool. I was like, damn it, never proud. Is, why aren't you a doctor? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we're ending, like we're closing, like the end of the podcast, what kind of books or podcasts that you draw inspiration from? What do you recommend for us? You know, um, I think the best thing that I did for myself growing up uh, just because I really didn't have too many people to go to or inspiration to find. Uh, I, I listened to a lot of self-help tapes mm-hmm. growing up, you know, starting from my, when I was like 14 and back then that wasn't a thing. Now it's, I mean, it's, it's fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, it's so uh, unmotivating for me to want to watch it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone goes through really tough times in business, especially real estate, mm-hmm. um, I would say the best thing for you to do to yourself is listen to like stories of inspiration. Mm-hmm. People that have gone through unseemingly just, just odds that were never meant to be mm-hmm. you know, overcome. And just, you know, like I've done, you know, when I used to listen to, they were on SoundCloud. They didn't even have it on YouTube then because it was so old. Like I used to watch like the old Les Brown tapes where it was like, I don't know, he was like in a church and it was like from the <laughs> something. Yeah. But that was the raw stuff. Like yeah. it was real. Like I don't listen to motivational tapes that other people say, mm-hmm. quote, I go directly to the source. I love it. Do you have any source or recommendations that you can recommend? Um, so it's funny. I still go back to um, SoundCloud. I can actually, I'll share the link for me on SoundCloud. There's like four of them that are still on there. They're the original ones. And they're those four are the most impactful to me because, you know, out of all the other stuff going on, like I always struggled with my weight. Mm-hmm. So growing up, in order for me to overcome myself to be, you know, like confident enough to go out and do anything, mm-hmm. I had to lose all this weight. I, I, was, I was like almost 300 pounds. I mean, I was 300 pounds. Oh, wow. Right? And I was pretty short in high school. So I was like maybe five, seven, five, eight. Mm-hmm. So 300 pounds is a lot of weight for at that height. So it was these tapes I would listen to while I was going for runs, while I was going to the gym, you know, while I was trying to run, I could, it was, it got to a point where I couldn't even run a mile. Right. But it was these voices that were there that helped me through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Books are great. Right. You'll find education from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is important. However, like everyone is so unique and individual mm-hmm. that if you start forming to what other people have created for you, mm-hmm. right, and you don't learn to just take bits and pieces of it, you're going to end up going down some path that you don't want to be anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, you're going to be unhappy, which is at the point that so you make all the money in the world. If you're not happy, like what's the point? Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, listen to people that, how do I say this? When you listen to the tapes, 
Mm-hmm. If you're if you don't get goosebumps from it, you're not listening to the right thing, mm-hmm. right? So if you listen, like if I listen, like I used to listen to the old Will Smith, mm-hmm. right? and it says brick by brick. Mm-hmm. Right? Because every day I had to make the calls, I used to listen to those tapes. Every morning I listened to it, I would get goosebumps, mm-hmm. and I would always listen to it, which almost was a year. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped getting the goosebumps, I was like, huh? So then I started looking for something else, right? That's really cool. Yeah, so that's what it is. I mean, because look, everyone has this intuition that they know that they're on or it was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. If that's the one thing that I can t- kind of do as a leave behind is find people that inspire you, mm-hmm. right? And if when you do, latch on to them, <laughs> right? As much as you can, right? Because at the end, what happens is if they inspire you, because it's just money, then you're looking, that's not inspiration. Mm-hmm. Right? If they inspire you because of what they've become, who they are, and you have to know their story in order for them to inspire you. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to know the person or know their story. And if it's somebody you can't get close to or in front of, there's, there's, there's so much content out there now mm-hmm. and good content. You know, it's like, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's all guys that I used to listen to when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like everyone goes, oh, you like Grant Cardone? I can't stand oh, it. Uncle G, <laughs> <laughs> he's great, smart. I mean, marketing genius. But mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to be sold, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sold. Like I want to be inspired, mm-hmm. right? And you're not going to inspire me with your money. You're going to inspire me with your story. Now, if I met him, you know, this is everybody that's doing this right now. Right? If I met him, had a one-on-one, and I really got to know him, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But the content I'm seeing to me, it it's to me, it doesn't feel catered or genuine, mm-hmm. right? Just because I get it. He's good at what he does, mm-hmm. right? But I'm looking for more of a, Hey, I'm going through this hurdle in my life. Mm-hmm. There's this many billions of people on the planet. Somebody else already went through this hurdle 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago. Mm-hmm. That's where I need to go find that. So I can follow just a year or two, three years, five years behind because they're probably going to make the same mistakes you are. And if you learn from them, right, mm-hmm. you're saving yourself a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. So hang out with people that have gone through some things. Mm-hmm. Right? Most of my friends are in their mid forties. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just, I find them to be friends and a point of inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Because they've gone over things that you never thought they would get over. Definitely. And you start realizing yeah. that, you know, you learn a lot from them and you can relate to them and that age is nothing but a number because you're just like, dude, aren't you supposed to be 45, 55, 65? You're just joking around like your kids. Yeah. The chemistry you have, you know? Yeah. I have more childlike conversations with my buddies that are 45 than my friends that are like 30. Mm-hmm. You know, because my buddies that are 30 are trying to act old and I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. You know, but my buddies that are 45, they learn to be a kid again because it's not that serious at the end. I agree, man. Yeah. Hey, so as we're ending the podcast, how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you? Um, um, Instagram, I'm really, really trying to get better at it, but I'm on it all the time. So Instagram's it's my name, Victor on, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you guys are struggling in the real estate market, you know, I can give you my cell. Um, I manage, I coach um, agents inside my office. I don't do it for any fee or anything. I just help them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so you can share my number if I can give it to you after and show me to say it, or they can always email me. You can always email you. Yeah, <laughs> email me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Victor, it's Victor at the on group.com. So they can email, you can email me there. And then, you know, it's always like that one deal most agents are struggling with. And then it's usually they get out and then that was when they're meant to make their big stride, mm-hmm. you know? So awesome. that's what it is. So awesome. yeah, you guys can contact me there. Definitely. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Likewise. All right. Thank you. All right. See ya.